Welcome everyone to a very special episode of the Inside the Pylon podcast. Please do not adjust your audio listening devices. This is Mark Schofield, head writer at Inside the Pylon. Our, my usual co-host, the one and only Chuck Zod. I couldn't be with us today. He's, I think he's out, Tucker, scouting some Lithuanian punter who thinks the next Ray guy. I don't know. That's what he's going to do today. So to make up for it, everyone, we have a very special guest. He's coming back for his second appearance on the podcast. We've got with us today Jeff Risden. You can know Jeff from the internet. He writes for Real GM, where he breaks down um, the NFL and the NFL draft. He also is a senior analyst at Draft Breakdowns, and he also writes. For, he's an editor at the Sideline Report. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. It's good to be on with you. It's uh... A lot of places you have to list off for me, but uh, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I mean, I, I always I was threw in a little protector of the realm. I felt like it was Game of Thrones reading off all the titles. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, why don't I got to shorten that up How a little bit. This? Defender of the North. How's that sound? <laughs> that 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 works well. <laughs> and we'll start there because you know Thanksgiving. It's a great holiday, and it's even better when your favorite team wins. And the Detroit Lions did just that with their win over the Philadelphia Eagles. What did, you, what did you take away from that win? You know what? I, I, I took more from that that the Eagles are terrible than anything great about the Lions uh, because, quite honestly, that's what I saw. Uh, the Lions played well, uh, it was, and it was great to see them play well. You know, I, I, I am a Lions fan. I live in Michigan. I had my entire family over, wife's family, actually. And we enjoyed watching them, you know, absolutely destroy a, a very bad football team. But uh, to take away a lot of positives from it, I think, is a little bit of fool's gold because Philadelphia, they're just they're – so bad. I mean, that, yeah, that, I mean, you so know, there holes. were some things that Detroit did in that game that stood out to me. You know, I, I think their red zone offense looked good, but I think you're right in that a lot of it was just Philadelphia. What is going on there? I mean, what do you think the problems are? Yeah, uh, I mean, there were some positives for Detroit. I thought Michael Ola played well at right tackle, which has been an, a major ongoing problem throughout this year and last year. Uh, so that 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 helps. Uh, the defensive line is looking a lot better. I think Haloti Nada is healthy. Uh, he's finally making the impact that everybody thought he would uh, when we signed him or, or dealt for him in the off season uh, to help fill the, the massive holes up front with Sue and Fairley and, and uh, even C.J. Mosley leaving. Uh, they're finally clamping down on the run. They're controlling the line of scrimmage a lot better. Ziggy Ansa is unblockable right at the moment. He's he's. He's no worse than the second-best defensive player in the, in the game right now uh, after J.J. Watt uh, in terms of guys up front. He, he's playing at an extremely high level. Uh, he can do anything you ask him to do. He can, he can get off blocks with speed, with power, with quickness, with technique, uh, and he's still learning. The, it's been so much fun to watch him ascend into, into what he's become because uh, two years ago in training camp, this was a guy who basically had two moves, and that's all he had and was still winning with that. And now the fact that he's, he's broadened his repertoire – it's it, it's really really cool to have him. I wanted to ask you about Ziggy because you know one of the question marks for Detroit, obviously, with the loss of Nadamikin Sue, was what they would do up front. You mentioned you know Holoninata, they brought him in, but how important has his development been to what this defense has been able to accomplish this year? Oh, well, he's he. The best thing is he's the focal point of the opposing blocking scheme, and he's still winning. Uh, I think you saw that against Philadelphia, uh, where they were rolling people to to help with him, and he just tossed them aside. He's got such freakish strength, uh, knows how to use his length very well, very powerful, active hands, uh, and and all these things are things that he has worked on very hard uh, that he did not have when he came into the league. You know, he he was very much an athlete trying to play football, and now he sort of looks like a football player, and that's 
that's a pretty scary proposition if you're trying to block him. And, you know, you look at some of the guys that are going to have to try to block him for the rest of this year, that he could realistically add on another six or seven sacks in these final few games and get up close to the 20 mark. And that's, that's really impressive for a guy in, his, in, in really his fifth year of playing football. Well, that's just it, and that's going to be my next question about him, is he's still learning the game, basically. And, you know, like you said, it's his fifth year playing the sport, playing it now at an extremely high level. I mean, is this this looks like somebody that's going to play at this type of level for years to come. Yeah, it, it should be very scary for all the NFC North opponents because he's only getting better. Uh, it, it really is amazing what he's done, and the fact that he's he's still not all that instinctive I mean, you'll see him sniff out the occasional run play here and there, but he'll still get sucked in on screen plays and overrun draw plays. And if he ever figures out that sort of the positional discipline part of his game, man, he, he's going to be every bit as, as good as, as anybody else in the league. Looking at the Lions offense, obviously a lightning rod for discussion is quarterback Matt Stafford. Um, Look to have you know a decent game against the Eagles, which – again, might have been due to the fact of the opposition who's not playing well right now. What have you seen from Stafford this year? Are you hopeful about his continued development, or are you starting to have some serious doubts? Well, I'll tell you, uh, it has changed. Uh, the, the firing of Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator uh, after the, or when the team went to London, since then we have seen a different and better Matthew Stafford. Uh, and, and this is a very good thing because, uh, uh, like you said, this is definitely a polarizing topic in Lions land. Uh, my basic take on Stafford coming into this year was that he's good, but he needed to get better. And I wasn't ever sure that he was going to get better. This is his seventh season now. Uh, and I think he had kind of stagnated a little bit. But over the last few weeks, we've seen a Stafford that's more comfortable throwing on the move. He's, he's got, he seems to be handling the pressure well. They're getting the ball out of his hands quicker, but yet they're also letting him take more shots down the field. Uh, and it's working. Uh, his, his yards per attempt has gone up dramatically. It's at 7.5 over the last three weeks. Uh, and it was down in the low, low sixes and high fives for most of the season up to that point. So a lot of things are definitely working for him. Uh, I see more confidence. I, I love the fact that he ran the ball well uh, and, and took the opportunities that were presented to him to run uh, against Philadelphia. That's an important development on there because he's not a bad athlete. Uh, he gets he gets a lot for his baby fat on his face, but he, right. he really can he can move a little bit, you know. So yeah, it's uh, I, I'm encouraged. I still don't want to go you know overboard and say that oh yeah he's definitely the answer. Uh, my pat answer at this point is that I'm not sure he's the long term solution, but he sure as heck isn't the short term problem. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. I really like that. Uh, another skill position for Detroit that I wanted to ask you about is the running back position. Um, when we last had you on, um, Amir Abdullah, the Nebraska rookie that I was really high on, he was having some fumbling issues. Uh, Theoretic looks to be another playmaker there in that slot. What do you? What have you taken away from the running back position? Um, do you think that that's going to become an area of strength going forward in this Detroit offense? Yeah, I, I'm I'm optimistic about it. Uh, I'm not the biggest Abdullah fan, as you know. Uh, yep. I don't like guys who uh, who go down for contact and fumble a lot, uh, and he still does both of those. Um, but uh, he's been used more judiciously, and it's working out. Uh, I think he's he's feeling the the flow of the defense a little bit better. Uh, I'm very encouraged with Theo Riddick and the way that he's being used uh, coming out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, I believe, I'm not sure about this, but I believe he leads all running backs in receptions and targets, uh, and he's making things happen when he gets the ball in his hands. Uh, you, you saw it a couple of times against Philly. You saw it uh, against Green Bay the last time they played. 
This is a guy who can who can consistently make guys miss in space, uh, and the Lions are doing a much better job now of getting the ball in space and letting him operate. Uh, yeah, it, it's going very well. The, the run blocking has been simplified. Lombardi got fired, and that is certainly helping. Uh, it's helping Joyce Bell, uh, who doesn't have much quickness at all. I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s and just had heart surgery, and I'm probably quicker than he is going <laughs> to the left or right. But he, he's having some effectiveness, you know, plowing forward and, and finding holes and, and taking what the defense is giving him. Uh, it's definitely still a running back by committee. Uh, that's going to last throughout this year and will probably prevail in the next year as well. But it's one of those deals where they have guys who do have some skills uh, that, that, that can work. Uh, as long as they're getting good offensive line blocking, and that's been a little bit better lately, uh, they can run the ball. They don't do it very often and haven't shown that they can consistently do it well. But you know what? It, it's starting to click a little bit, and, that, and that's a very good thing. Well, you're going to need to click a little bit tonight. We're recording this on Thursday, and we've got a game tonight on the schedule, and that's when the Green Bay Packers come to Detroit. Um, before I, we really get into the meat of the game, are we going to see those color rush uniforms tonight from Detroit? Please say We no. will not. Um, and thankfully, we will not, because uh, I can only imagine what the silver would do to people with, with colorblindness <laughs> issues. Yeah, the uh, the Lions don't play that. They don't do throwbacks. They don't do retro jerseys. They don't do any of that stuff. Well, that's good, because my eyes, the past two Thursday nights, man, I mean, bad enough that the Thursday night games tend to be bad, but those uniforms have been brutal to see. But going to this game, coming into this game against the Green Bay Packers, what do you expect? What are your expectations for tonight? You know what? I, I'm of the opinion that anything can happen tonight. Uh, the way the Green Bay has been playing uh, lately, and it really started in the last Detroit game when the Lions went into Green Bay and won for the first time right. since 1991, um, Green Bay has not played like you expect Green Bay to play. And that starts with Aaron Rodgers, who has not been good. Uh, in fact, he's been one of the least effective quarterbacks in the league over the last month. Uh, will that continue? I don't know. I, I, I tend to – I love Aaron Rodgers. I think he's – I think he's you know, one of the best players in the league, regardless of position. And, and you know, I participated in an online draft uh, a couple of years ago where I had the number one overall pick, and I took him and, and didn't regret it at all. Right. Uh, he's not playing well lately. Uh, some of it is the fact that his wide receivers are garbage. Uh, some of it is the fact his offensive line is garbage. Uh, Eddie Lacy got fat, and he's been playing like garbage too. So there's a whole lot of mitigating circumstances for it. But the bottom line is you expect Aaron Rodgers to cover all those problems, and he can't do it right now. Yeah, uh, he's, had mean, a lot of, he's, he's had a lot of trouble in Detroit, too. They haven't won there in three years. Uh, and, and the Lions' defense is playing a lot better. It's going to be a real challenge for him. But you know what? He's Aaron freaking Rodgers. And they right. still got Randall Cobb. They, they still, you know, Eddie Lacy's due for a bounce-back game. James Starks has always been a problem for the Lions. They, they always seem to have trouble getting him on the ground. I, I can see the Lions winning, you know, by shutting down the offense, but I can also see Rodgers getting healthy and getting it right tonight. Uh, either way. Yeah, I mean, talking. let's talk about Rodgers just for a minute. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but, you know, in watching Green Bay this year, it seems like you said it's just kind of a snowball effect where they got protection problems up front and you got receivers that can't get separation and Rodgers is kind of trying to extend plays with his feet to try to find somebody to throw to and then the accuracy dips. It just seems like it's just a cavalcade of problems that they can't seem to get out of the mud. Yeah, and I think some of it is on Rodgers, too. I think he's maybe trying to do a little bit too much. Uh, I think he's lost trust in, in Devontae Adams, which is probably justified because he just can't catch the ball. Uh, they're not getting any separation for him, and I think he's trying to be a little bit too perfect. And I think if he just follows his own advice and 
relaxes, R-E-L-A-X. I think, uh, I think they're not far away from, from getting back to being the team that was 6-0 and and everybody was looking at as, as a viable NFC contender. Uh, they have not been that the last month, but uh, you know what? He's still Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I still think he can light up the Lions for 40 tonight. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if he, if, you know, if he throws two interceptions and, and you know, completes 52% of his passes. Uh, that's that's the big mystery on this game. If you're a gambler betting on this game, you're insane because there, you have no idea of knowing which Aaron Rodgers is going to show up tonight. Well, and I think if you're betting on Thursday night games anyway, you're kind of insane because these things never yeah, end up the true. way we expect them to. But I want to shift gears a little bit. One of the things that you do each week that I love is you kind of set the stage for the college football viewing weekend. You look at some of the games and you talk about sort of the draft implications and the implications on the field. And we've got obviously a slate of championship games this weekend. What are you looking forward to watching this weekend in the college level, both in terms of just seeing these games play out and in terms of draft evaluation, you know we've got we're inside 150 days now. We're basically into draft season. Oh, that makes me so happy when you say that. That's Isn't it nice. great? It's just it's it's like you know Christmas. We've got the holidays. We got New Year's, but it's draft season. It's just I love yeah, it. It, it, it it's awesome. You know, I, I I just booked my travel down to the the Shrine Game in St. Petersburg and the Senior Bowl in Mobile. It's going to be a, a fun two week trip down there and. What I look for in championship weekend is, is a lot of these guys are playing top-level competition on the other side of the ball. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how guys like Connor Cook at Michigan State plays against Iowa, which uh, nobody seems to give any love to, but th- that's a very smart and active and well-coached defense that's going to make life tough for Connor Cook and, and Aaron Burbridge as wide receiver. Uh, I- I'm looking forward to those kind of matchups. I want to see... Uh, you know, Jonathan Bullard, the, the Florida defensive tackle, going up against uh, Alabama's offensive line, which doesn't really have anybody for this year's draft, but uh, certainly has some guys for, for down the road. Uh, and, you know, just, you know, the, 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 the mano-on-mano matchups like that, I, I, I really look forward to that. Uh, on a personal level, I'm happy, I'm covering the, the MAC championship game in, in Detroit tomorrow night. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing Roger Lewis from Bowling Green again. This, this is a guy... Uh, if you haven't seen Bowling Green, they basically run Baylor's offense, and he is Corey Coleman in their offense. And he's, I'm not going to say he's as good as Corey Coleman, but he's not much worse than him as an NFL prospect. He's bigger, uh, a little bit stronger, uh, probably not as fast in the open field, but but doesn't lack speed. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing him again. I saw them at Western Michigan, and he put on a fantastic show. Uh, Bowling Green has a few guys that I'm actually interested yeah, in uh, looking at that, going towards the next Matt level. Johnson. What are your thoughts on him? What's that? The quarterback at Bowling Green. You know what? what? He's small. Uh, he, he's only about 5'11". Uh, but Matt Johnson, he, he's certainly fun to watch. I love he, – he's really good at throwing the ball while moving to his left, uh, which is unusual for a right-handed right. quarterback, and they do a lot of that. And it catches defenses off guard. Uh, he's a fun one. He, he's the guy – he's got some – he's got a little bit of Johnny football to him. Uh, got a little bit of uh, – Kind of a Bruce Gretkowski feel to him too. That kind of athlete. Uh, people, you know, dog on Bruce a little bit, but he's he's been a backup quarterback for a long time and, and a pretty successful one because he knows what he's doing. Uh, and that, that's the vibe that I get from Matt Johnson. This is a guy. He's not going to start in the NFL, but he, he's going to he's got a shot at being a, a long time backup quarterback. Um, another game that you know you touched on it briefly is that SEC championship game. You've you recently put out sort of your top twenty right now in the draft and. There are a couple of big names in there. You've got, you know, Reggie Ragland, the linebacker, Vernon Hargraves, the defensive back, Jonathan Allen, the defensive tackle. What are your thoughts on those guys? 
Oh, Hargraves is fun to watch. Uh, yeah. he, he's, he, he gets dogged for being small, but he, as it's well documented, he's the exact same size as Darrell Rivas was when he came out of pit. Uh, he, he's, He's just so savvy and quick. Uh, this, this is a guy that you want on your team at the next level. He's a legit top 20 pick. Uh, some teams will, will overlook him because of his size a little bit, and, and I'm not sure that his long speed is going to time all that well uh, on the track, but he's one of those guys that has football speed, not necessarily track speed. Uh, he, he, he's going to be just – he's so much fun to watch. I, I love watching Bullard up front. Uh, I hope that he's fully healthy. Uh, he's been kind of dogged a little bit with the, with the injuries. Yeah, they're they're a fun group, and then you got Alabama's defense. My God, uh, Reggie Ragland is he he's probably going to be my official draft crush this year. And normally I use it on guys that are not going to go that high in the draft. Uh, but man, he's I, I just love him. He, he's he's Bill Belichick's you know brightest star dream as a three four inside linebacker at the next level. There's there's nothing he can't do very well. Uh, he might not light everything up uh, the, the way that some other guys will. Uh, but man, he's he's such a good football player. It's fun to watch him, and, and fun to watch him operate between behind guys like Jerron Reed, Jonathan Allen, Ashawn Robinson. All those guys are top fifty prospects. Uh, they're loaded, and and I love the way that, that they play with energy. They play with cohesion. They play they play like they want to kill the opponent, and I I really appreciate that in my defensive players. That's something you want on from a defensive player, but. A name that wasn't in that top 20 that's going to be in this game is Alabama's running back, Derrick Henry. That's another name that is kind of, you know, it's also another lightning rod out there in the football evaluation world. There are some people that are really high on him, and then there are others that just don't really see him as a, you know, a top-level draft talent. Where do you come down on that debate? On Henry? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah he's, you know what, the Ron Dean comparison is the one that, that gets me a little bit because he does kind of get yards the same way. Uh, he does show a little bit of a niftier footwork, but he's still kind of a head down, you know, let's go get it kind of running back uh, who falls full for his yards. Uh, I'm not saying he is Ron Dean. I think he's got a better NFL future than that, but uh, it's important to separate collegiate running production from, from NFL potential in your running backs because there are some guys who, who are very good NFL running backs who weren't all that dynamic in college. Uh, and it's a simple case of, of opportunity and line and so forth. He's a good prospect. Uh, he's not my top running back prospect. I don't think he's anywhere in the same zip code as Ezekiel Elliott is. But, uh, uh, you know, he's a guy that I've got pegged as a you know, third or fourth rounder, probably a third round guy uh, who can come in and, and be in a very effective. You know, what? I would love to see him in Detroit and Joyce Bell's, Joyce Bell's role because he would be very good at that. Uh, but if you're asking him to be a feature back like a, I've seen some people compare him to Frank Gore. I don't. I don't get that at all. That that, that that's just too lofty for me. Um, looking at this ACC championship game for a second, um, that Clemson defense—that's another talented group. That I know there are some players that you're really high on as well. Oh yeah, um, you know uh, I love Mackenzie Alexander, the corner, and there's a guy who's grown on me because I wasn't all that bullish on him, but the more I've watched of him. This this is a guy he he's right there with Hargraves in my opinion as, as a you know again he's not ideal size he's probably only five ten five eleven maybe a buck eighty five uh, but but he can really play uh, he just he knows where the ball is going he's so good at reading the receivers he can bait quarterbacks he, he's very good at getting the receiver on the ground if they happen to make a catch on him I believe his catch rate is like twenty nine percent this year I mean just that he's a lot. He's he's phenomenal. I love the I love their safety, uh, J. Ron Curse. 
big guy, six foot five, legit six foot five safety. You don't see those guys all the time. Easy comparison is Cam Chancellor, uh, and he's not that big of a hitter, but he's probably a little bit better than Cam in coverage. When Cam came out of Virginia Tech, uh, that's one of the reasons why he fell was because he was just one of those guys that the ball had to be in the air before he would move towards it. Uh, and you see already that, that Curse is better than that. Uh, he, he can anticipate where the throw is going to go. Takes him a little bit to get going. He doesn't have the best acceleration, but uh, he, he's a finisher extraordinaire. Uh, yeah, and they're, was, they're a fun defense to watch. Yeah, I was really excited to talk to you about Curse because, you know, I think that's a guy that, like you said, it, it looks like he's going to be a good, explosive player at the next level. But I also think he's in a bit of a good spot because, you know, last year's safety class, it wasn't that great. There are teams that probably need help at that position. That's a guy that I think could probably move up boards based on need. Yeah, it, it's always interesting to see, you know, where these guys fit going into the NFL. You know, will, will teams have the vision to use these guys properly? Um, and, and, you know, they're, you know, Shaq Lawson, another guy that you, you wonder if he's going to be a 4-3 defensive end or 3-4 outside linebacker. You wonder if Curse, if they're going to try to play him like Deion Buchanan, uh, as a sort of a hybrid linebacker safety, uh, I think they can do any of those things. But it's a question of you know will they will they embrace it? Will they fit it? Will they will it click for them early? Uh, you know, anytime you're asking guys to do something that's a little bit different than what they did in college, it's it's always it always changes the projections a little. Bit. And you're going to see that a lot with with quite a few of these guys. Uh, unfortunately, uh, will they handle it? We'll, we'll find out. Right. And that's obviously one of the things that, you know, it's hard for us, you know, just watching film will scheme and fit. It's always such a hard thing to, to kind of project forward. But um, another, you know, championship game we've got this weekend is that Pac-12 championship game. Obviously, there aren't a lot of playoff implications there with that Stanford-USC matchup. But there are two quarterbacks that I just wanted to get you to touch on briefly, Cody Kessler and Kevin Hogan. And every year, every draft, there's a QB that goes a couple of rounds higher than anybody really thought. And you know, looking at these two guys, you know, fringe draftable quarterbacks, I'd think. But is there a chance that one of these two guys might be the guy that, you know, gets picked in the third round and everybody's saying, whoa, what just happened? I'm sorry, man. You're, you, I, my phone broke up there. I mean, I missed some of that. Okay. With again. I'm asking you about that Pac-12 championship game. And, you know, we've got Cody Kessler and Kevin Hogan. And, you know, every year we've got a quarterback or two that gets drafted earlier than people projected. Is this, you know, in this game, Hogan and Kessler, could those be the guys that maybe get picked earlier than anybody thought? Um, it could happen. Um, you know, I, 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 I do quarterbacks last, so that that's sort of, you know, I, I, I put them off and I let everybody else debate all that out and sort it out and, and punch themselves you're out and then I come in at the end and, and sort of knock it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably smart for that. Um Another guy that I wanted to ask you, you mentioned briefly that Elliott's probably your running back one and you had Henry in the third, fourth round range. Who's your, who are the other running backs that you're excited about? Yeah, there, there, there's, there, there's quite a bit of talent this year. You know, it's, it's, slotting them is hard. Um, and the running back, there, there's quite a few guys. You know, Henry's a good one. Uh, there's some guys that, that aren't even playing this weekend that, that are exciting me that, uh, you know, are in there. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, there's such a diverse talent this year that you can get what you want. Uh, if you want a first round guy, you can get it. If you want a third round guy, you can get it. Uh, you know, I, 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 I would love to see Dalvin Cook get out. I would love to see, uh, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette. They're not quite there yet, but uh, yeah, right. th th this is going to be a, it's going to be a fun year. 
for, yeah, for, I mean, for a guy that I like a lot is yeah. Devontae Booker, that Utah running back. I think, you know, he's got a nice, you know, varied skill set. He can help in the pass game. He can run between the tackles, run at the edges. You know, he's a guy that I think, you know, a team could find a lot in him. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I like what I've seen, uh, and I think he, what he does projects well towards the next level, too. Absolutely. Um, turning now, obviously you mentioned – uh, Shrine game, you know, we've got draft season now. We've got invites that are coming out. Uh, Senior Bowl down in Mobile. You're going to be at both games. Uh, who are some of the players you're looking forward to to kind of get your eyes on down in, you know, in person down south? Looking forward to, uh, there's a couple of guys uh, that I haven't seen in person. that I, uh, Vernon Butler, the, uh, the defensive tackle from Louisiana Tech, uh, is a guy who I think is going to rise very quickly once people get a load of him. Uh, he's a very talented player. Uh, doesn't have a lot of refined technique yet, but this is a guy who's got. There's a whole lot to like with him, uh, and and they've they've actually got a cornerback at Alias Butler who's uh, who's also going to be you know shopping around his wares there. Uh, some other guys, you know, the quarterbacks are always interesting to me because uh, generally, if you're playing in the Shrine Game or the Senior Bowl, you're probably not a a great prospect. Um, Russell Wilson being one of the prominent exceptions to that. Uh, you know, Jacoby Brissett is a guy who I, I just don't have a feel for him. I know there's a lot of people who I respect who like him. Uh, I I just don't see it. I think he's a guy who processes information too slowly. But uh, you know what? When he's playing in an unfamiliar system with, with unfamiliar receivers, if he looks good, you know, you, you have to go back and, and reevaluate your evaluation and, and see, you know, is this a guy that I need to study further? Uh, Jeff Driscoll is another guy, another Louisiana Tech guy. Um, you're going to see uh, – I'm looking forward. I'm hoping that Connor Cook accepts a bid. I don't think he will. I, I am too. In I fact, mean, I think he needs yeah, I've been, to. Yeah, I've been go told that he's not going to. But uh, it would be, it would be very nice to see him. You know, see what he could do in the Senior Bowl. Uh, yeah, that man, Kevin Hogan. Uh, I I just can't get past that that funky throwing motion, and I, I probably mean, need to because uh, he's played a lot better. But man, God, yeah. And some, the thing with Hogan somebody is somebody get to him and tell him not to do it, that. But... <laughs> You know, he's got great arm strength, but how much of it is due to that elongated, like, you know, treble shade type delivery? It's crazy. Yeah, it's wonky. It's almost like he's throwing a javelin instead of a football. And it's yeah. weird that nobody has ever tried to coach that out of him. Yeah, I, I guess not. Um, well, Jeff, our time's about up, but I wanted to get you out of here on this. I know we're early in the draft process, but hypothetical situation, draft is tomorrow. Who's number one on your board and who's number one on Detroit's board? That's a good question. Uh, I think uh, Laramie Tunsil and Joey Bosa are the first two picks in the draft. How about that? I'll, and, and they will also be the first two players on my board. So I'll hedge it that way. Uh, wh- who goes first? That's kind of dealer's choice. Uh, if Cleveland gets the first pick, I think they have to go with Bosa because they already have Joe Thomas at left tackle. Uh, Dallas the same way. They, they set at tackle with Tyron Smith. Uh, so I, I think they would have to go with Bosa. But if you get a team like Tennessee in there, I, I think they need to take Laramie Tunsil. Uh, if you get San Diego in there, they certainly need uh, offensive line. So I, I, w- I would go with them uh, taking Tunsil as well. Is there any scenario in which a QB goes first overall? You know what? I, you, you never know what Cleveland will do. <laughs> I hate to <laughs> yeah. say that. I, I, I'm a Cleveland native. Uh, and, and, you know, my, my family is season ticket holders for the Browns. They're, they're long-suffering fans. I would love to see their misery ended. Uh, but man, there's just not a, I don't see a, a top 10 quarterback, let alone a number one quarterback this year. Right. Well, Jeff, 
Great stuff as always. Uh, listeners, please make sure you follow Jeff on Twitter. That's at Jeff Risden. Um, you can see his work over at Real GM. He's also, I said, a senior analyst on draft breakdowns. You've been doing some radio work as well. Hey, yeah. Uh, thanks so much for uh, having me on. Uh, and also, you can listen to me on uh, ESPN 96.1 in Grand Rapids every Monday and Friday from 3 to 6. I'm in the studio on the air doing football. So uh, that's a good place to catch on to me, too. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on. Hey, thanks, guys. And thank you to the listeners of the Inside the Pylon podcast. As always, you can find us on the internet at insidethepylon.com. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash insidethepylon. Check out our stuff on Twitter. We are at itpylon.com. Thank you for listening to the special podcast edition here with Jeff Risden. We'll be back next week with myself and Chuck Zotta breaking down all the NFL action. Until then, stay safe. Those that work for us 